0: So hello and welcome to open for business here on nlive radio. It's Simon Cox here sitting in for Adrian Price this week and uh, I'm really delighted to, to be sitting in for the big man. Um, we've had a good conversation and he said, look, Simon, do you fancy uh, you know looking after the last show of the month? So I'm going to be here on a regular basis on the last Tuesday of the month uh, talking to various people around the county and further afield and I've got two great guests from inside the county tonight and I've got two great guests outside the county so stay tuned I'll introduce those very shortly about what's coming up on the show but for those of you who don't know me I co-lead an organization called NNBN which is working closely with NLive Radio and others around the county to to help to you know really support the growth of the county help support some of the initiatives that are going on and help to you know get the message out there about what's going on We're also working closely with small business owners who are looking to grow their business as well. So to be involved with the radio station and to host this show on a monthly basis is fantastic for me as an individual, but also to help to to get message out there about what's going on around the county. Now, let me introduce the guests I've got lined up on the show this evening for you. First of all, after my first song, which is one of my favourite songs as well. Uh, I've got Sonny Singh joining me from the Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce, so stay tuned to hear hear what he's going to be saying. I've got uh, Dean Jones joining me from the Northamptonshire Community Foundation, and we'll hear about some of the great work that they've been putting into Northamptonshire uh, recently and across the last number of years, and of course what's going on around the county as well from the community point of view. I've got a fantastic interview with Kevin Hollinrake, the Minister for Small Businesses, joins me. Uh talking about his visit to Northamptonshire last year, where I co hosted uh an event and uh and Adrian actually got to interview him that day, which was broadcast here on this show. Uh so Kevin will be talking to us about some of the initiatives going on at a national level, some of the challenges that are going on uh at national level and of course, yeah, you know, talking back about that uh visit to Northamptonshire last March. And then my final guest this evening I've got Liz Barkley, the Small Business Commissioner joining me, talking all about late payments and the prompt payment code, so there's a lot of quality people on the show tonight thank you ever so much for uh, for joining me I'm looking forward to the next two hours and uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's start off with, uh, as I said, one of my favourite songs Don't Stop Believing by Journey
1: Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the He took the midnight train going anywhere A singer in a smoky
0: be a simon radio show about that song i'll show you it's uh, absolutely fantastic to be able to play that song and uh, you know when you've got the headphones on and you listen to the words and you listen to the air guitar bit as well oh wow what a great song don't stop believing of course by journey now my next guest is with me and uh, is, uh someone that's uh, no stranger to the Northamptonshire business community. Uh, I'm delighted that I've got uh, Sonny Singh with me from the Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce. Sonny's come to talk to us all about the forthcoming Northamptonshire Business Exhibition at Wixley Park on the 8th of March. Um, Sonny, welcome. How's it all going with the plans for the exhibition?
2: Yeah, famous last word, Simon. At the moment, everything seems to be fairly smooth, which is, you know, as soon as I get out of this podcast now, that something's going to kick off. Um, so hopefully it continues to be smooth. Um, for the listeners that have never been to a exhibition before, um, the chamber deliver two business exhibitions per year. Um, the Northamptonshire business exhibition that we do in March and we do in September. Um, and we spread them across the county. So our March 1 is going to be taking place at Wigsleed Park. And later in the year, we'll be going into the West Northamptonshire arena. And what's really important from our perspective is that it's open to businesses of all sizes, all industries, all backgrounds. It's about our business community coming together, having conversations, sharing opportunities, promoting their brand, and hopefully off the back of that, there will be opportunities for collaboration, partnership. And the exhibition this year on the 8th of March at Wigsley Park, we're delighted that it's headline sponsored via Manal UK. We're going to expect in the region of about 100 standholders. Again, all businesses uh, of all sizes are going to be in the room. There'll be local stakeholders in the room. We've got both both of our local authorities. We've got our university, et cetera. So a real mix of of businesses and local stakeholders in that room. Um, We kick off the business exhibition with a before-hours networking. So the exhibition itself opens at 10 o'clock. But at 8.30 till 10 o'clock, there'll be an opportunity to have a informal networking over a light breakfast is what we'll say at a tea and a coffee before we open the doors at 10 o'clock to the exhibition and alongside the exhibition there'll be various other elements that will be running a speed networking event which is completely free to attend alongside NNBN, fast paced i believe Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, we had about 90, business in the, 90 businesses in the room at our last one in September.
0: I'm sure I counted more. I'm sure I counted the tables and every table was full. So I reckon, um, I reckon it even hit three figures actually. So yeah. But that's, yeah, what, I we,
2: think that's, that's, what, that's what we want what you, to see, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, by the way, numbers for the speed networking taking place at the exhibition are filling up very, very quickly. It's completely free to attend but we are limited on the numbers that we can actually have in that particular room. So if you do want to get yourself booked on, please visit either the NMBN website or log on to the Chamber website, www.northands-chamber.co.uk and secure your free place because it's great opportunity to do the whole mingle, meet with exhibitors and then go into a bit of a structured networking opportunity alongside it. So we're really looking forward to bringing that back again this March.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it with the networking, but also from, uh, the engagement of being able to catch up with local people and, and obviously, you know, start to form new relationships, new, new, new partnerships and, and obviously, you know, buy and sell to each other. I mean, although we tend not to like, like that word selling. We like relationships. Well, that, that's my okay. favorite word, but, uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. Um, International Women's Day as well on the day. You've got, um, various, uh, things going on for International Women's Day.
2: That's correct. And I can't reveal too much just yet because we'll be announcing an update very shortly. So please follow our official pages on LinkedIn, even Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce, the Northamptonshire Business Exhibition and the Women with Vision Network. So follow their pages and details will be revealed very shortly for us. International Women's Day, and for me personally, is something that's very close to my heart. Uh, my mum's always been a business owner, single-handedly, a lot of the time, raising me while also um, trying to run a business. And i tell you what, Simon, that's challenging enough as it is. Um, and I'm just talking about trying to raise me, let alone trying to run a business. Um, but. Our Women With Vision Network is all about empowerment, having opportunities, managing inclusion, which is the topic for this year. And it's open to both men and women. And that part of it's very important. There'll be some roundtable discussions. There'll be a keynote speaker. Please get involved. Dare I say ABC, always be communicating and always be championing.
0: Brilliant. And um, talking about people that can, you yeah, know, those stand holders, you've got 100 stands. Um, is it open to businesses that are non-members of the chamber or is it member only that can take those stands?
2: It's open to everyone, uh, members and non-members of the Chamber. Ultimately, the Chamber is a membership organisation, but our business exhibitions are an opportunity for businesses who necessarily can't always afford a membership, um, especially the micro-businesses where money can be tight. Um, This is a great opportunity for you to come along completely free to attend for all visitors um on the day. um, Of all backgrounds, like I mentioned, and all industries, we'll have everybody from micro-businesses to SMEs through to blue chip organizations which charities cics um, schools unis colleges it's a real diversity um, and if you follow the Northamptonshire business exhibition page on linkedin we're currently sharing all our exhibitor announcements so keep an eye on for that you can see all the businesses that are going to be exhibiting on the day um, but if a business would like to exhibit um, firstly be very very quick um, there's only a handful of stands remaining but Either if you're a member or non-member, you can take advantage and exhibit on the day, which is a great opportunity to promote your business and your activities. And dare I say, Simon, have a bit of fun. Because that's important. It is. And I think sometimes,
0: you know, people hear the word business and I think it's it's obviously very serious. And it, it is a very serious thing, you know, in the days of people's livelihoods, it's employees that are obviously looking to businesses for employment. And uh, obviously there's there's well, we know the benefits of what business can add to our communities, but there's a, there is this fun element, and uh you know we do need to come together and you know engage and that's how relationships uh, relationships start forming isn't it through yeah, you know, sometimes you see someone in a different light. And you think, actually, you know, I didn't actually know that they were that kind of person. Let's go and kind of have a conversation. And then well, away you go. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, it's brilliant what what goes on at some
2: Yeah, and Yeah, we've seen so many activities of that recently, haven't we, with businesses coming in. I'm thinking of the Frank Bruno Foundation, where they would do the sparring at the exhibition. I'm thinking of, um, Synchro, who come to my mind, who were doing the cycling, uh, opp- opportunity. Uh, Manil, our headline sponsors, who were doing the racing at the last exhibition, the racing arcade. Wilson Brown were doing popcorn on the day. So there, there is that fun element of it. And dare I say people buying into people. So it's great seeing how creative our local business community can be when it comes to engagement. And I think that part of it is very, very important. Yes, we're there to talk business. We're there to look at opportunities. But it's also a great opportunity to have some fun, get to know people behind the brand. And more importantly, Enjoy the opportunity to spend a bit of time outside of the business and actually working on your business by looking at other ways to work with other organizations
0: so if anybody wants to find out any further information go to the northamptonshire chamber of commerce website which is uh, northhance-chamber.co.uk have a search around the site you'll see the information on there about the the forthcoming exhibition of course keep an eye on the social media the linkedin account is the place to be for the uh, northamptonshire uh business exhibition taking place at weeks depart we're going to be there i'm going to be there can't wait for it. it's going to be an exciting day talking business with local people as well so yeah let's um look forward to a great day ahead and uh yeah once again sunny thanks for joining me
3: 106.9 Live. When your business teams up with Unitemps you get access to some of the top graduates the University of Northampton has to offer High Calibre staff right here on your doorstep Unitemps is committed to finding you the right candidates for the positions you've got available, making filling full or part-time or even temporary jobs simple whilst ensuring you've a talent pool for the future. Unitemps Northampton sees tomorrow's leaders today. Visit unitemps.co.uk and click Northampton
4: take the next step to growing your business at your business expo 2024 set to be northamptonshire's largest b2b exhibition your business expo is happening on february the 7th at Sywell airdrome it's the place to network meet local vendors and hear what our expert speakers have to say Your Business Expo is a free-to-attend event with free parking. And if you're considering exhibiting, networking or visiting, register now at yourbusinessexpo.co.uk. Your Business Expo 2024. Powered by Business Times Newspaper.
6: One oh six point nine and live connecting Northampton.
7: Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. alive, A good time, just give me a call. do stop, stop me Cause now. A good time, don't stop, stop yes, me now. A good time, I don't wanna stop at all. Yeah. I'm a rocket ship on my way to Mars on a collision course. I am a satellite, I'm out of control. I'm a sex machine, ready to reload. The not hey, me, hey, hey, hey. not stop me. stopping, the stopping, the stopping, the the stopping, Sonic man, out of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Don't stop me now. If you wanna have a good time, just give me. It-
0: don't stop me now by queen and uh, another toe tapper without a doubt it certainly gets me going whenever i want to hear it it's, it's a great track as well isn't it and uh, yeah i think uh, uh one of those songs that any business owner can really sort of like use to, to really motivate them and, and drive them for themselves so if ever you're in those situations and you're sort of thinking oh do you know what i just need something to kickstart me put that one on as well So we had two great songs so far don't stop me now by queen and uh, don't stop believing by journey now My next guest is with me, and uh, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Dean Jones from the Northamptonshire Community Foundation. And we're going to be talking about all the great work that they're doing across Northamptonshire. So, uh, Dean, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Really good to to see you and to speak to you. No, it's great to have you with me, and thanks for your time. Uh, How's 2024 started for you all at uh, the Community Foundation?
8: Good, I think, is is the best way to describe it. We've had uh, a few bits of good news um, since the year started. The first um, is that towards the end of this month, we'll come to the end of what we refer to as our Warm This Winter campaign. So each year we run a campaign raising funds to support um, those who are vulnerable uh, and elderly uh, during the winter months, those that are perhaps in a position where they're having to consider whether to put food on their plates or to, to heat their homes um, and so we set out to raise uh, as much money as we as we could um, at the beginning of december. Um, we went out to our sort of existing business network and then new um, uh, new stakeholders in and around the community and um, at the last count we raised within that sort of six week period i think thirteen and a half thousand pounds towards the warmness winter campaign and that a sort of ad is bolted on to the existing funds that we've been raising over the last 10, sort of ten ten fifteen years. Uh, so I think in total we've raised around £250,000. So th- those funds, as you can imagine, go a long way to supporting those most in need during the winter months. And that's a rolling campaign and, and hopefully we'll continue to, to support um, those that really need, need that essential support over the winter months. So that's a really good piece of news. That was a very rambling way of saying we had some good news. The other bit of good news was that um, from the the work that we've done since the beginning of the financial year, Last year, we are now just over the two million mark in terms of the the amount that's been paid out in grants to, I think, um, over 6,000 um, individuals, groups and organisations across the county. All of those are in need of support in one way or another, uh, either affected by things like fuel poverty, um, food poverty, um, the cost of living crisis, and those things that we hear a lot about in, uh, in the press and the media. So, so those are two bits of good news. That means that um, we're doing our job in terms of ensuring that the support and funding that we have available is being channeled back out to the communities and organizations and individuals that really need it most. So those are our two bits of good news. And then the third, I guess, if you want to good news comes in threes or is it bad news that comes in threes anyway? No, it's way. always good news, I think. We, we need <laughs> to talk about positives, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the um, the other exciting thing for the foundation is that we um, we have officially launched um, what we refer to as our corporate giving network and as a community foundation, there, as Rachel will have mentioned last time she was on your program, um, there are around 47 uh, community foundations across the UK and we're obviously one of them. Uh, we look after the the county of Northamptonshire, as as it's said, said stated in the in the name, obviously, and that's an enhancement of our friends group. and um, The friends is a, a member group where individuals pull in their um, individual individual membership fee uh, into what's called a, a giving circle, and that accumulates into one pot of money. You're a friend of the the foundation, Simon, so thank you very much for for your friendship and membership and those funds um are pulled together and then uh each year a panel of friends get together and make a decision as to how those funds are then redistributed to groups across the county so what we decided to do at the end of last year is to 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 break down that group a little bit so that we have individuals who might be community stakeholders, and then businesses and business owners who are uh, interested in being members of the foundation or friends of the foundation. And we've retitled that particular group of businesses and business owners the Corporate Giving Network. And there are currently um, around 20 corporate giving members, but we're looking to expand that beyond the 20. Um, And they each pay uh, an amount of money a year, a minimum amount of um, £1,200 or £100 a month. Uh, And those funds that are uh, used as a a membership fee, if you like, are then immediately pulled back to support uh, good causes. And usually at the end of the year, as I said, with the, in relation to the friends group the corporate members will get together make a decision as to what they want to fund and and where those funds are going to go and those funds are then uh, opened up to application via small groups and organizations who are in need of support uh, and then that group of businesses also get a chance to make a decision as to who who will uh, receive receive that funding and and so um those uh th- those funds so last year we um were able to raise around £40,000, are distributed amongst, in this last instance, around nine groups, all with a focus on food poverty. And those funds can go a long way to doing some good for each of those individual groups. And they really make a difference to the communities that those groups serve. So they'll typically be, in this instance, um, groups that run food larders or food banks, there'll be groups that provide um support um around sort of healthy eating um and they might also be groups that specialize in particular types of foods for um different um cultural um communities within within uh, within the county um so there's lots of good news um around why we why we have a corporate giving um uh, group and 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 we're really looking forward to getting new members on board to recruiting new businesses and business owners to support the work of the foundation then obviously the more funding that we can um we can raise um the more good we can do across the county um so so yeah that's the corporate giving network so there were three three good news stories um the final, the third one, is the one that we're sort of really focusing on, uh, for, at least for the first quarter and first half of this year, to drive up membership and um, and really make um, sort of a positive impact on the community.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I think the, the impact you make already is fantastic. And, and you know, to hear that $2 has been paid out in, you say, in over 6,000 beneficiaries, you said?
8: Yeah, so that will be individuals, groups and organisations, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to make a difference. But I know... Having got to know yourself Rachel Katie the team etc that mm. you really want to make more of an impact and um, you know hopefully the uh, you know, increasing members and people getting involved with the corporate giving network will really help to to increase that and also you know give some ownership to the the, the those that are donating the money to actually um, you know decide where the money goes, which I think is a fantastic um, fantastic thing to do so the corporate giving network I mean how many members have you got so far that are subscribed into the uh, the giving network?
8: So in total, with with friends and corporate giving members included, we're around 45 members. um, And our corporate element to that at the moment, the business element to that is about half that. Um, Obviously, our aspirations are much bigger than that. We'd like um, to increase our friends numbers um, significantly. Um, and the entry level to become a friend of the foundation is slightly lower, um, sort of more accessible, I suppose, financially. Um, At the corporate giving side, obviously, there's a a higher um, membership fee, if you want to call it that, which, as I mentioned earlier on, is £100 a month or £1,200 a year. Uh, The idea with that is that, obviously, as corporate members, it's an opportunity potentially for businesses to to speak to their employees and, and see if the employees are, are willing to get behind becoming members and pull in their own funds to support the work of the foundation and in doing that um to support their local local community. But it, it could equally be an opportunity for business to say, well, actually let's look at what we do give over over the year to different charities and organisations. Wouldn't it be better to pool all of that, those funds together? And and become a, a corporate giving member. And then all of those funds are then redistributed quite broadly across different causes uh, and organisations across the county. And the reach literally does go to every corner of the county and across um causes that are quite varied and broad. And naturally there are lots of very deserving, very worthy, good causes, good um charities that exist within the county. And, we don't want to stop those charities from benefiting, continuing the good work that they're doing. But this just provides, I guess, in some respects, a sort of one-stop shop for those businesses that are stretched in terms of capacity, resource and time. It enables them to to know that they're doing good because all of the funds that we accumulate are managed by our grants team. They're expert, experts in in identifying groups that are in need, distributing in a way that's fair and transparent, ensuring that. When funds are distributed, that there's an impact report at the end of that process that we can actually measure the success of the funding that's been provided. uh, And also know for certain going forward that they're the sorts of groups that, that we can continue to support to provide them with resilience, um, strength and, and an opportunity to grow and do more within their communities in the future. So there's, there's lots of potential around the success of a, a, a sort of a membership group like corporate giving. Uh, network. Um that one helps a business um their support travel further um but also because it's a, a giving circle it helps it helps those funds do more at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah you yeah. know
0: and this is still good from a, a you know business CSR point of view if they're looking to you know get involved, you know, let us be cheeky about it say it's coming towards the end of the tax year and obviously businesses may yeah. have some funds that they wish to uh, to donate but um mm-hmm. but obviously it, it's all part of their yeah, you know, their social value, uh, social value, the mm-hmm. what they want to do to help support you know communities local. And uh, mm-hmm. I've noticed from your website, you've got some information on there that people can actually get in contact with you via um, your website or via um, mm-hmm. email address. Is that the best way for people to actually you know, talk to you about what they could do to
8: become a member? It's a really good idea. I think thanks for mentioning the website. So I think it'd be a really good idea for people to to make a visit to the website. You can also find information online via our social media um, feeds, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook or Twitter. Um, But there's one particular page if we're talking about um, corporate giving or philanthropy generally or charitable giving. Um, which is our, is to, to find within our website, the good to give guide. And essentially that's a guide for not just businesses, but anybody that's interested in, in having an impact within their community through giving. It tells you how you can go about doing that. And it can start from sort of the, the um, lower level of funding, um, through the friends, uh, sort of a small amount on a monthly basis or one-off amounts. If, if you want to do that instead, but it could also look at things where. You might not be in a position to make a difference or have an impact right now, but there are opportunities to do so in the future through things like legacy giving. So leaving gifts in wills. Um, There are also opportunities to to branch out and speak to your, um, as I said earlier on, your your colleagues and employees and think about perhaps doing something like payroll giving, um, for example, um, you could if you wanted to take it one step further beyond corporate giving, you could set up as a business or an individual set up a fund which is the equivalent or alternative to setting up your own charity and you can um predetermine how that that fund will be would be used how the funds will be directed, so you get all the benefits of running your own charity without actually having to uh to exhaust yourself in the process you can hand a lot of that sort of expertise over to our team within the grants team to do that um do that for them now
0: i'm going to evidence that i can multitask because while you've been talking i've been listening but i've also been browsing as well and i've found the Mm. good to give guide on your website Mm. it's very very straightforward so if you go to ncf.uk.com and have a look in the giving section the drop down menu that says the good to give guide and mm-hmm. also details of the corporate giving network so it's really straightforward for people to find if they're looking to to get involved and you know become a regular donor or become part of the corporate giving network so um yeah i, I live in proof there you go i actually found it and it's uh, it's actually really straightforward to find it as well so um, of course, we share details across our social media for you as well to help to, uh, to get this out there as well. Thanks,
8: so. Simon. I appreciate that. I think if you, if you do find that document, I think I'm quite a visual person and sometimes, you know, these p- pictures, um, the the pictures in the in the document sort of um, speak volumes in terms of the breadth of the support that the foundation is is able to make happen we don't necessarily we can't take um the uh the credit for for the work that's done we provide the funding to groups that actually go out and do the hard work of actually making an impact within their communities and that's the great thing about foundations it's very collaborative in its nature uh, it encourages um, social action and and for people to actually get involved with their communities, um, and we provide the funding, which is the trigger to that activity, really. So there's a real that's something really positive, I think, to take from the entire process. And when I was talking about the photographs, you can just see the diversity that's there, and you can also see the you know diversity of ages uh, and the sort of breadth of in terms of activities and impact that the funding that we provide can can have on on our community. Mm. I'm I'm browsing as I'm listening. I can see it all in this brochure. It's fantastic. Mm. So,
0: you know, I'd urge anybody to go and have a look at the uh, what we've been talking about there and have a look at it because uh, you can see visually what is going on. And uh, it's all very well hearing, but uh, obviously some people need to see it. And, you know, there's obviously uh, an impact that uh, you've helped to support through some of the funds that have been donated to these organisations. So, Mm. yeah, great. I mean, fantastic what you're doing. Fantastic people are supporting um, people want to know more, though, go to the giving uh, page of the, uh, the ncf.uk.com website and, and have a look. And, uh, yeah, let's see what we can do to to get more people involved and um, help to support the community even further. Thanks, Simon. I appreciate that. Now, you mentioned about um, the Rural Needs Campaign as well. Mm. What, what What's all this <laughs> about, the, the Rural Needs Campaign? Because I, I, I mean, I've heard of it, but what it actually does, I don't actually fully understand it.
8: Yeah, I'm pleased you asked, and it's not something that... Um, we're necessarily we're necessarily thinking about a lot um because it's not something that's talked about enough really um it focuses on some of the things that we are already aware of some of the challenges that we already see and experience even um within urban areas on a day to day basis we might see it happening uh, around us on the on the streets but essentially what we're we're keen to do is ensure that rural communities across northamptonshire uh, those who are in need, those who are experiencing the sorts of challenges that we know exist across the county, indeed the country, that they're getting their, their fair share. So let's talk about things like um, rising levels of homelessness. We know that due to a variety of circumstances that homelessness is uh, once again, unfortunately on the, on the increase and, and rural communities aren't immune to that. Um, So it's ensuring that there's funding or support available to those communities to try and tackle some of those really big fundamental challenges within society and within the community generally. Um, The other other side of it is around things that are specific to rural communities, such as social isolation. um, in Northamptonshire, um, a good proportion of the community live in rural communities. Up to a third of the community live in 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 rural communities, or thirty percent. And social isolation is um is a real challenge, particularly for those who are that much older. Um, in terms of the demographics, perhaps don't have access to transport that that younger younger residents might have access to, or um don't have the because of fuel poverty or cost of living crisis don't have the ability to go out enough because they can't afford to, to keep going back and forth into, to urban areas to either get their shopping to, um, is it the local hospital for 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 their own health purposes and that sort of thing? And if we sort of really drill drill down into that in a bit more detail, thinking about what the costs involved in getting from a rural area into an urban area to just get that essential health support, you know, taxis um, can cost a lot of money, uh, and if that accumulates over a period of weeks and months, that's a considerable amount out of someone's sort of monthly, weekly, or annual budget. And um, so it's, it's really focusing in on some of the real challenges that exist within, in rural, rural communities. Um, it's not just focusing on the, the elderly either. I think it's fair to say that there is a younger population within rural communities who may struggle to get into, um, into towns out from their villages to access resources that we just take for granted, um, in, in urban areas. Um, they don't have access to good, decent, regular public transport. So they're perhaps reliant on either mum, dad or uh, buses and taxis and, and those sorts of things. And obviously taking into account these younger people don't necessarily have an income to support that kind of um, transport in and out from village to, to town. And that could also affect things like going to college or the choice of college or the choice of education they have at, um, at sort of the latter stages of, you know, their educational journey. Um, So there are all sorts of things there, and that does have then a knock-on effect in terms of well-being, mental health, and that side of things. So what we've done, Simon, um, is we've ring-fenced a sum of money. We've got a a goal um, that we're keen to hit, and we're not far off hitting it at the moment. We wanted to ring-fence £200,000. Um, to ensure that when um, those communities that I've just talked about and those individuals that have challenges need support and to access funding, that there's a pot of money available specifically for them. Um, so that two hundred thousand pounds will be there to support communities when those needs arise. And it's it's the the start of, of funding rather than the solution. If you like, it's not going to solve everybody's problems. It's going to it's going to help in in a in a small way at least at the very beginning um and so we're we're raising to, trying to raise 200,000 pounds we've had some really good support from the Constance Travis fund a big shout out and thank you to Tony Travis who's agreed within his fund that he holds with the foundation to match pound for pound any donation that comes in towards the rural needs um funds up to 100,000 pounds so We've, to date, um, we've, we've raised 140,000 or just over 140,000 pounds. So 70,000 pounds from very generous donors. The other 70,000 matched by the, uh, the Constance Travis Fund. And we've got to raise another 30,000 pounds to meet our 20,000, 200,000 pound targets. So that's a lot of numbers I've just thrown at you. But essentially what we've got to do is raise 30,000 pounds over the next, uh, three to, three to six months. Uh, and that will enable us to to release those funds into the community and, and, and we can start seeing the impact and start seeing the good that that um, support and funding can have on our local rural communities. And hopefully that all made sense. It's quite a complicated story, and I hopefully i tried try my best to, to make it as clear as, as possible.
0: No, you did really well. I've written down the figures here, three to six months, and <laughs> so you need to raise 30 grand. I mean, that's, that's what we need to get to, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, how do you sort of see that fun- fundraising being done? Because there's, there's programs going on which we're involved in with like the Franklin's 50 at the moment, which mm. uh, uh, obviously we're going to be talking, uh, well, we've already got the interview already arranged. So uh, watch out mm. for the uh, future episode where we'll be talking further in depth about that. But obviously that's something that businesses can get involved with. They can take a £50 note and convert it into money for the charity, of which you are mm. one of those charities, aren't you?
8: Yeah, absolutely. I think um yeah, so the Franklin's 50 is, is one and as you said we're going to be talking about that in more detail later in the week, but it's great it's a great initiative. Um Franklin's have um it's it, it's good in a number of ways because it encourages businesses to be um philanthropic and um, to consider how they can give back. But it also encourages um charitable organizations from both Northamptonshire and Milton Keynes actually because they've got offices in both areas it encourages them to be a bit competitive actually uh, and to, um, to to be innovative and think a bit more broadly about how they can glean the support of their local business community. Um so businesses can choose which charity out of the eight selected charities um to to support. Northamptonshire community foundation are one of those charities, but there are seven other very good charities amongst amongst those eight as well and we'll talk in more detail about exactly who those who those are. Um, but for not, in the case of Northamptonshire Community Foundation, the funds that we raise and the businesses will be raising on our behalf will go specifically, they'll be targeted towards this uh, shining, shining spot on rural needs campaign. Um, so it's not going to the foundation. It's going directly to this ring fence pot of money that will help those in need within rural, rural communities. Um, so, so that's one solution to getting that remaining thirty thousand pounds. We need businesses to to sign up to the Franklin's fifty campaign. If you type in Franklin's fifty, you'll be able to find the eight different charities. you can make a choice as to which charity you you you're passionate about and you want to support. We're not kind of sort of be too forceful in terms of where, where you want to direct your support. That's up to you out there, those listeners and um, to, to decide. Um and um and beyond the sort of the franklins 50 um we're looking for other organisations businesses and individuals who are passionate about their rural communities and i think it's fair to say that if we can make the well-being of our rural, rural communities better if we can improve um, the lifestyles and, and health and well-being of those rural communities, then they'll be more prosperous and that will feed into our economy and that will make the economy stronger. both within a local level, a regional and national level. Um, so it all has a knock-on effect um, if we can sort some of these problems out at their root uh, as sooner rather than later then perhaps we won't be dealing with some of the after effects of what these issues could turn into further further down the line. So it could be that there are rural businesses out there have a passion or interest in their rural communities that perhaps want to make a donation towards this particular campaign. It could be that there are businesses that really like the idea of uh, of channeling their support through the Franklin's 50 campaign. Um, we've, we're very hopeful that we'll we'll hit our our thirty thousand pound target. It's not a an easy challenge um, to meet, and certainly getting to the stage we are with one hundred and forty thousand pounds hasn't been easy, and it never really is. Fundraising is always going to be challenging, but in the end, um, the impact is is well worth the challenge and well worth the hard hard work because it changes people's lives and and really makes a, a positive difference to our community.
0: Well Dean, thank you Eversox for joining me here on Open for Business. Uh, it's great to be able to talk to you. Keep up the good work as well. It's absolutely tremendous what you're doing and, uh, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So thanks for joining me.
8: Just to finish off, just to say, um, we really appreciate the support that you, Simon, uh, and then NBN generally provide to the foundation by spreading the word about the work that we do, uh, and and we really need those sort of community uh, ambassadors, as we consider you to be. Um, so, just to sort of finish off from our perspective, just to say a really big thank you for the support that you've provided since. Certainly, we, you, and I have been speaking, uh, and and best of luck as, as well to you with all that you're doing. I think you're making really positive waves across the county. Well, Dean, I really
0: appreciate what you just said there. And at the end of the day, you know, we're only here to support others that are also making positive change and positive support in the community and in the county. So, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to talk to you on the on the show tonight as well. We're fully behind what you're doing. So, you know, thank you for joining me on Open for Business here on Live. And, of course, uh, as an organisation, we're fully behind, you know, supporting the radio station here as well with me sitting in for Adrian on this show. Um, so, yeah, thank you for joining me. I'm going to go straight to some music now, though, because I've got a great guest lined up straight on after this next song and uh, i've got man in motion st elmo's fire now here we go with another piece of music which very motivational one of those sometimes you think do you know what i'm in that mood i've just got to go and play this to move myself further forward and uh from a film i think it was uh, 1985 i think the film came out i I haven't actually seen it I'm, i'm gonna admit it but uh probably a song that um Is probably, uh, you know, very perfectly titled for my next guest being the business minister. Probably one of the busiest people I've come across in the UK and in the business world. So, um, here we go with Man in Motion. Elmo's fire, Fireman in Motion and uh, great uh, yeah, really gets me going that song as well, it's one of those that uh, I think uh, when you're in the mood and you need to just raise, maybe raise it a little bit, maybe put that one on certainly get you dancing around anyway. right enough of the music though on to my next guest and uh, last March I um, had the absolute honor and privilege of leading an event with members of the Northamptonshire business community at Kettering Park Hotel with Kevin Hollingray Kempe who's the Minister for Enterprise Markets and Small Business and I'm delighted to say that he's joined me on the show albeit by modern technology this time to talk about a variety of topics so uh, Sir Kevin welcome
9: Thanks, Simon. Great to be talking to you again. I'm sorry I'm not in Northampton. I had a wonderful day when I came up there, but um, but uh, yeah, really keen to uh, have to talk to you and your audience.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And uh, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. It's very busy for you. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, talking about that uh, in a second when we come back to Northampton in a minute. But um, I just want to talk a little bit about your role as the Minister for Enterprise Markets and Small Business, because it's quite a role, isn't it? And I'd imagine it's been pretty busy for you recently.
9: Yeah, it's a fantastic role. and As you know, I was in business for 30 years uh, before politics. So I started my own business, which built up to be a national business over 30 years. So um, and then spent seven and a half years on the back benches in Parliament, which I was very happy doing. And the nice thing about being a Member of Parliament is you can choose what to focus on. You don't have to do anything that whips tell you other than vote in the right place at the right time. Um so um and I focused on business, helping businesses really, with their banking problems, with their general you know, general issues about how you start and grow a business and, and um so then to be given um given the role of Minister for Enterprise, Markets and Small Business about fifteen months ago was a massive honour and privilege, but also something I could felt I could get my teeth into straight away with the experience I've had.
0: Yeah, great. And I, was, I was actually going to ask you, what was it actually like on a personal level when you actually received that news? Because, uh, you know, obviously you're right at the top of the UK here with with that position, aren't you?
9: Yeah, well, it's. I mean, for me, I say it's a massive privilege to give my background, but also I think it's important to the economy. And, um, you know, Churchill said it best, as, as he always does. He, he, he called business, well, I'll give you the entire quote, he said that... Um, some people see business as a tiger that needs to be shot. Some people see it as a cow that they can milk. Few people see it for what it really is, and that's a strong horse that pulls the whole cart. And we forget that as our peril, you know. So, so that's the importance to the, the entire shooting match. You know, you wouldn't have a health service without business. Um. So yeah, great. And so yeah, I got the news. Delighted. I was stood in a pub in uh, in Hammersmith, actually, that nice pub on the around the river. They called the Blue Anchor Great Pub, and. Uh, call came through, and it was Rishi, and he said, he said, where are you? I said, uh, all the noise in the back, because he had no speakerphone. I said, I'm in a pub. He said, well, who, who else can hear this conversation? <laughs> go outside, go outside. So, dude, anyway, he said, he, anyway, uh, uh, he gave me the news, and I was delighted to get this particular role. Yeah, well, fantastic. And the role itself,
0: I mean, there's a lot of responsibilities in there. There's things like, uh, obviously, the small business and enterprises, scale-up strategies, access to finance. But then there's other things, such as, Post office, there's the British Business Bank, there's ACAS, Small Business Commissioner. There's a hell of a lot involved in the role, isn't there?
9: Yeah, there is. And um, yeah, it's all very important, but it makes up the entirety of the kind of economic framework, really, that business operates in. So, you know, um, some things don't directly come under my auspices, like steel and stuff, and also most of that's my fellow MP Nuzghani, my fellow minister Nuzghani, in the same department, but nevertheless, the business framework generally comes under our, our watch is, is, you know, is in our bailiwick. So, um, so yeah, it's a tremendous, tremendous job or very wide ranging. And it does have other things in it, such as labor frameworks and things. But the most important part for me is business, startup, scale up. And the three really important elements to that for businesses, first and foremost, access to finance, loans, uh, cash flow, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and then we've got support and advice. And then we've got, um, removing barriers, making it easy to start up and scale up a business. So that's, that's the, that's the broad kind of brush, uh, picture of, of what, what I do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. And that's just the sort of thing we're going to sort of touch on today in, uh, in, in the conversation today, because, um, yeah, obviously scaling up as a business is fantastic. It's what we all want to do. It's what we all aspire to. And, uh, look forward to talking about that very shortly but before we do last year you came to Northamptonshire for a visit and it was an absolute privilege to be able to uh, to host the event and have you with us and I think um we had not really had a chance to catch up since but I just wanted to know what what was the experience like of working and, and listening and engaging with some of the local businesses that you met on the day
9: well I mean you know my you know in my experience in all this world you, you get a lot of business people in the same room and it's always an exciting place to be and uh, and that's exactly what it was. That you know, Philip Hollybone, fantastic local MP, invited me up, and they delighted to take, uh, accept the invitation. You go to these kind of different places, and you you're never quite sure whether you're going to be faced with ten people or a hundred people. You know, and uh, in your case, it was hundred people. It was tremendous, and it was a real buzz about the room. Fantastic reception I got, and that's not t- talking me up, but it's talking you lot up. You were brilliant and so warm, and and uh, keen to hear what. um you know what we could do to help so i really have very fond memories about that day and, and and i say about the um warm and positive attitude you got from from your northamptonshire businesses yeah we
0: really appreciate you staying on as well because uh, i think we're only up for an hour's uh, time with yourself and then i, I cheekily said on the stage you know what time we've got to get away and you said oh, I'd, I'd love to stay on for bit more time and it, it was fantastic to actually get the feedback afterwards from some of the uh, businesses on the day that actually spoke to you on a one-to-one level so I know they really appreciated your time as well on uh, that level as well.
9: That's very kind of them but um, I say nothing excites me more than a conversation with a fellow business person and, uh, and um, you know you learn a lot from those conversations and hopefully other people those people learn, learn a bit from, from, from my side as well so uh, it's, you know it's always a pleasure to do it
0: yeah brilliant well thank you once again and uh you know, it's great to have you with us now our own drive within the county here in northamptonshire uh we, we see it as a fantastic location in the country you know great transport links what um you know that obviously connects up a lot of the uh the east midlands and the midlands area but um i suppose the question i've got for you is what further value do you feel that the county could offer the uk when it comes to the business and the economy
9: well one thing we know about the uk we i mean uk Contrary to what you read in the papers or see on the news, the UK's economy is pretty strong, actually. It has been for some time. If you look at our growth as a nation since 2010 or since Brexit or since the pandemic has been faster than France, Germany, Japan, every other G7 nation apart from Canada and the US. So So we've got a strong economy, but as I said before, we need it to be stronger. The secret to paying for all the things we'd like in terms of public services and the NHS is getting ever more expensive as we as we live longer and we grow older and pensions we need and the only thing that can drive our economic uh, prosperity forward and therefore have more money for the exchequer to pay for all those things is by businesses doing even better becoming more productive. Now, there's a that's the positive side to it. On the slightly negative side is that we know that income distribution economic Output is not evenly distributed throughout the UK and it's too heavily distributed in, uh, to all focused on London and the South East. That's not to say we want to make them poorer. We just want to make people in Northamptonshire richer. We want you to do better. So we've got a job of work to do to do that. And, um, of course, that's why we spend a lot of money in infrastructure, 600 billion quid in this parliament all the things we do to try and make the country more interconnected and improve transport connections. and uh, But also, you know, ultimately we've got to get businesses, all that all that economic output is driven from businesses, not from governments. So we need to make the job of businesses um, to start up and scale up easier, as simple as that. And, you know, we give you the tools, you'll go and finish the job. So so um, great. That's, that's what we want more than anything. We want people in North uh, Northamptonshire to think, Well, the business opportunities here are great. We're going to start up. We're going to grow our business. We're going to take on more staff. We're going to take on, you know, we're going to expand our business. That's what we want you to do. And we want to make it as easy as possible for businesses to do that. Yeah, brilliant. And
0: and that's great news to hear that. And you know, I've been here nineteen years. I found it to be a great county with a vibrant business community and proactive business leaders driving the county forward. And I and mean, you know, for our part, long may it continue. You know, I suppose one thing we should uh touch on around here is is also the high streets actually, because um, you know, obviously mm. high streets have had a bit of a challenge recently, empty units, shop vacancies. Um yes. Yeah, what what sort of thing can we do within our community and within our counties to sort of encourage new businesses to open on the high street? especially when the first thing that they are greeted with is, yeah, you know, the business rates, the the high rates and rent, etc., as well as, you know, a little bit of turbulence around the high streets.
9: Well, the, the most important thing you can do, Simon, and every, all of us need to do, is shop in them more often. And the reason, actually, most uh, lots of businesses on the high streets are struggling isn't because of business rates, isn't because of, uh, other factors, although these things play a part. Of course they do because of are extra costs, energy prices, the rest of it is actually the biggest thing is they've got lots of competition from online players and big supermarkets. And, you know, too frequently we use that easy option rather than you, you know, going to, going to shop in our small businesses. So that's what we've all got to do. And, um, so yes, of course, but the government understands there are problems and these problems certainly are Exacerbated by the the cost of living crisis and COVID and all those things. So, we've stepped into a significant degree. Over the last two years, we've committed um, to about £80, £19 billion of rate support. So, lots of businesses, businesses under £12,500 rateable value, don't pay any rates. Up to £15,000, you pay a little bit. Um, Even hospitality and retail businesses, because we've still got um, a support package that pays that basically discounts their rates by 75% up to a rateable value of 110,000. So the government's doing quite a lot to help, but uh, ultimately the most important thing is, is that people shop in those businesses and that's what will keep them, keep them afloat. The other thing that's really important, and I'm speaking at a conference on Monday called Totally Locally, which are an organisation that helps uh, like towns and suburbs and villages to make sure they're... High streets are in, in rude health and they're, they're, they're providing the right kind of mix. And that's, you know, But I point to a town in my constituency called Malton. It's rebranded itself the food capital of Yorkshire. It's built a brilliant image for itself. It's marked itself really well. The um, It's not just food shops. You've got also the usual retail offerings, but really good independent shops. It's a great place to shop. And that's really landlords and the and the retailers and the local people, the local residents, the council, all coming together and putting a plan together about how they revitalize the local high street what the offering is, and uh, and then how they can take that message out to the local local uh, population and the wider public. So there's a job to do right across the piece here, and um, you know, worth definitely worth is a report called Retail: The Great Enabler, worth reading because that's I sit on the retail sector council. So it does lots of work in terms of high streets, um, but also it would be worth a conversation with Totally local, um, totally Locally, uh, which you'll be able to find on their website and see how they might be able to help.
0: Yeah, thank you. And uh, I didn't know about them, actually, so we'll, we'll do some bit of research behind them and get in contact with them and see what they can do as well, because uh, you know, small businesses do play a, a huge part in the business you know, economy. And, uh, I must just add in, actually, it was fantastic to see the support for the small business Saturday campaign in December last year. Cause yes. I saw the the market going on outside down street, which I thought was fantastic this year to see oh, that. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. Absolutely. and
9: such a, a wonderful thing. And that's the prime minister. He started that Rishi and, you know, luckily enough to be there talking to the businesses, it was such an exciting occasion again. And, and it was a real love actually kind of moment, The whole thing, you know, yeah. it was really, really brilliant to be part of. So, um, yeah, and the businesses that were there—really innovative, mainly retail businesses—were proud as punch to be there, but also excited about the future. And you had the little guy who's doing, um, you know, doing his uh, Yorkshire, what was it, the Yorkshire burrito kind of thing, like a Yorkshire pudding in a wrap, and uh, from all the way from that book to Fever Tree, you know, some big businesses too. So really exciting to see, but that that big business course came from a small business, and that's what's possible in the world of business. You know, you got... Big businesses like, if you look at Gymshark, an international uh, clothing manufacturer, <clears throat> started as a started a very small business in kind a of back bedroom. It's a unicorn business now, billion pound value, above uh, billion dollar value. Uh, amazing success story. mixed makes with football shirts, started with a government startup loan. You know, tremendous. Um, so all these examples of businesses that come from small beginnings and build tremendous businesses and. That's not for every business. You know, we're here for every business, but there are, if you've got real dreams, the world of business is the place to fulfill them. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love that uh, that quote there because uh, I think, it's, yeah, since I've come into business, I think it has been a tremendous journey, tremendous experience. But my my own knowledge, education, contacts, friendships as well has been tremendous. And you know, here we are today having this conversation. I never saw myself ever having these sort of conversations. So you know, business has has, has provided me an opportunity, and you know, that's why we're so passionate about it here in in what we're doing. Um, and especially around the high streets and the smaller businesses and the sole traders and micro businesses out there. And uh, we all know sometimes they can get a little bit overlooked or feel they're a little bit unloved. So we like to step into that space to give them that little bit of love. But, you know, yeah. what what sort of um support can we expect to see this year for our business uh, community uh, around the sort of the smaller businesses now that we've moved into 2024?
9: Yeah, I'm putting it in those three buckets, really. Access to finance. Uh, support and advice, and removing um, barriers. So, access to finance. The first thing we've done, saying access to finance, based is we try to ease the pressure on finances, so you don't need finance in, in the first place. So, again, recognising it's a tough times. We've done the re- the the things like the uh, small business rates relief, leisure and hospitality relief, seventy five percent. We funded energy prices to about uh, the cost of half of the cost, the actual cost of energy. Uh, over the last couple of years that cost us about um 20 billion pounds so a significant amount of support just cut national insurance for employees which has a benefit across the piece um but i think the really important thing we need to get right is access to finance is the most important thing for SMEs if you want to start a business you need a bit of capital to start it if you want to grow it you need a bit of cap- capital to invest to grow it and um so we've got something called a startup loans company. A startup, they provide startup loans. They have provided a billion pounds of loans already to about 100,000 businesses. It's available to any business. It's under three years old. Startup or, or quite a fledgling business is less than three years old. You can get 25,000 pounds per individual. So if there's four directors in a company. You can get 100,000 pounds. Um, it's unsecured in terms of property. You don't need, you don't need a property to secure it on, although you do have to pay it back. You can't just walk away from it. It is your debt to service. But, uh, and it's a fixed interest rate of 6%. So it's a, it's a cheap rate loan. Um, certainly cheap in the, in the general context of things. So that's a really good, uh, help in terms of businesses starting. We are looking at potentially adding a, a kind of scale up product to that as well. There is something we have already called the recovery loan scheme, which is when for people who go to the bank and need some money to expand or to, to do something with their business, and their bank says no. Your risk appetite, we're a bit, you know, we're not too, uh, we're not too happy to lend to you or to your sector. Recovery loan scheme then kicks in, and then it will, it can uh, underwrite the loan for the bank, so it make financing much more available. Um, we've got, uh, so we've just done something called the payment and cash flow review, which is, I know, perhaps you want to talk about that in more detail going forward, but that's really important because. That's um really trying to make sure businesses get paid on time, which is again another source of finance, tens of billions of pounds outstanding to businesses, and some really poor pay performance from some big companies. so we're tackling that um but um we've also done stuff as well. people when they're thinking of raising money to grow a business should also think of equity debt uh, equity finance, so it doesn't have to be debt as in a loan. It can be, well, somebody might want to invest in your business and, um, to help you expand like a good, somebody with a business background, perhaps. So we've got schemes called the seed enterprise investment scheme and the enterprise investment scheme that really massively underwrite the risk of an investor investing in businesses. And there, uh, so that's, so if you're on the SEIS scheme, um, if the business went under, having I mean, you invested in it, you get 70% of your money back. You get some of back straight away, actually. So it's a really good incentive in attracting capital into businesses that are ambitious. Um Support and advice is the other bucket. That's all access to finance, support and advice. So we've got various different things. We've got mentorship. You go to your growth hubs locally. They've got mentorship in them. They've got advice in how you how you access different support schemes, business support line, help to grow website. We've got a great program like, like a mini MBA called Help to Grow Management. It is ninety percent funded by the government, so the the nine thousand costs you only pay a, a few hundred quid of it. And um and you get a twelve week course, mini MBA, lots of interaction with other businesses that are like yours. Um at the moment so that's a bit freely available. Um at the moment it only applies to businesses with five employees or more. We're just about to introduce a sneak preview of this Simon a kind of digital-only version of that, much more easier entry for any business, which will be completely free. So that's something that's coming down the track as well. Um, and removing barriers, we want to do everything we can to try and make it easier to grow. Make easier planning rules, make planning easier, which is a complete nightmare. Frictions at the borders, make those easier. Take away red tape. I'll give you an example. There's lots of red tape we're taking away. Um, for example, at the moment... Um, you, um, if somebody, if you've got a part-year worker, so somebody who works three months of the year, they got much greater entitlement than, than somebody who works part-time the same number of hours per year on, on a weekly basis. So, all these crazy rules that the EU came up with, other courts came up with. So, we're setting aside all kinds of stuff like that, letting you, um, easing the cost of doing businesses, uh, doing business for businesses. So, lots more I could talk to you about, but I'm. Um, I'm banging on quite
0: a lot. Yeah, no, it's great to hear all that information, and of course, startuploans.co.uk is the the website. If anybody's listening that wants to to really research yeah. that, and uh, you yeah, know, some information on there. Uh You mentioned just now about some of the um, the, you know, need five employees and more to be able to get into certain um certain things that the government are, are, are putting on for business. But what about those uh, for the smaller and micro businesses where they haven't got five employees within the business? Is there much coming out on that sort of scale as well.
9: Well, yeah, that's, that's the intention of this new program, <clears throat> digital only, be available for any business, however number of employees. You can even access it if you've not gone into business yet. It'll be announced very soon, um, you know, really important um, opportunity to get a basic understanding of, of your of best practice in terms of starting and building a business. So uh, more watch this space for more news on that.
0: Yeah, fantastic. We'd love to receive information on that so that we can obviously get that out to our local businesses and our community around the county yeah. as well. So, yeah. uh, look forward to receiving more information about that. And then when it comes to business growth, which is what we're really keen to see as well within NNBN within the county as well, um, we're obviously going to see a lot to do with the procurement act changing how things and the landscape will be changing this year. And of course, that's a, that's a way to, to business growth. But, um, can you just sort of touch on a little bit about what we're going to be seeing with that um, act changing this year?
9: Yeah, well, this is an important piece of legislation, and um, it's just making it far easier well, for SMEs to get into the public sector uh, procurement opportunities. So, a number of different things we're doing. We've got a great guy working on this in the cabinet office, a guy called Martin Trainer, so passionate about this. Lucy Neville-Rolfe, Baroness Neville-Rolfe, also working on this. We're all SME focused. You know, we, um, you know, it is, it is we all say it, the lifeblood of the economy. Actually, it's far more important than that. Um, so now let me tell you what the Procurement Act does. At the moment, let me give you some examples. If you were in the past, if you wanted to bid for a public sector contract, and that public sector contract requires 10 million quid worth of insurance, like professional indemnity insurance, you have to have that in, the insurance in place when you make the bid, you bid for the contract. But what's the point if I haven't got the contract yet? And I might normally trade at a much lower level, generally turnover-wise and stuff, or uh, professional liability-wise. So we're setting aside those rules. So you only have to make a commitment to put that insurance in place if you win the contract. Similarly with audited accounts, if it requires audited accounts, you don't have to have the accounts audited prior to actually um, winning the contract. You can do that um, down the line as things go along. We're changing something called, at the moment when you look for a contract, when you when the uh, authority, the public sector authority, relevant the NHS or the local authority or whatever, you're looking at it, they have requirement at the moment to select the most economically advantage advantageous tender. We're changing that to be the most advantage, advantageous tender. So it can take other factors into account, for example, like it's local business so i don't need to get the cheapest quote necessarily i just have to get one that in the round offers the best value for the local taxpayer that we're doing too um we're encouraging a dialogue between the bidder and the and the person who's making the um, who is actually uh, asking for bids so, so it's easier for SMEs to to access that um, to understand what they need to do um because we understand there's an inequality of arms between uh, small businesses and big businesses, when you go for these kind of contractors, they have the experience. We're specifying that anybody who who uh, wins a public sector contract will be required to confirm that you will be paid, you'll pay your suppliers um, within 30 days of um, their invoices being presented to you. So it speeds up the, supply, the payment cash flow for SMEs in the supply chain. And we're doing all this by the end of 2024. So it really will make a massive difference to businesses that want to access public sector uh, contracts.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And and talking of payment and cash flow, which we know is important to small businesses, sustainability and growth. Um, what, what are the governments sort of doing to ensure payments are paid on time for those offering maybe credit terms or working within scheduled payment plans? Because obviously we hear people struggling for payments sometimes when they've delivered a service, um, we're aware of the prompt payment code, and you know we've signed it as an organisation. Yeah. But what, what's uh, what's the sort of uh, thoughts for this year?
9: Okay, um, so first and foremost, the Procurement Act sets out that all suppliers will get paid within 30 days, which is great. And uh, and uh, and that the, the, the people who win those contracts have to do that through their supply chain, so that's an immediate benefit through the whole ecosystem. But also specifically in the wider economy, wider businesses. It's about transparency. It's about more enforcement. Uh, it's about information and awareness and it's about culture. So on transparency, do lots of things there, including, for example, um, lead tables. So we have, we've got lead tables already. We work with a business called, an organization called Good Business Pays. Uh, Terry Corby, he creates lead tables of all the different suppliers and how quickly they pay. We want to increase the uh, visibility of that, the work he does. Make it easier, make sure we're all speaking of the same hymn sheet in terms of when the recording date starts for an invoice and when it triggers over the 30 days. Um, make it easy to access that, basically. And also including new metrics in that reporting, the reporting requirements. So, um, so as you, as you know, uh, the prompt payment code requires businesses to... Uh, to um, publish their, uh, their details of their payment practices and large businesses too have to publish on a portal so it's all that transparency stuff that makes a difference we've got we've already next thing is the enforcement we've already got the small business commissioner which is probably not very well named because actually all liz Barclay does is is work on late payments so she's there as a resource to anybody on this call who's getting paid late who wants to do something about it but uh, we're giving her more powers, so she can undertake investigations anonymously or without attributing the source of her information. Um, we're going to make sure that it's more closely integrated into um, into other parts of government and other parts of the intelligence network, and and making sure this stuff is visible. So, um, so, and we're going to really challenge companies that say they're following the a prompt payment code, and just don't. Do it. So, number of things we're doing there. Um, information and awareness. Uh, well, I, I talked about the lead tables. We've also got the health score management I talked about earlier and the digital program that will have an element of this aid. We're working with our growth hubs to make sure people understand what to do in the negotiating a deal. Um, and, uh, and finally, we're making sure that, um, they say we're leads from the front, saying that public sector performance and, uh, in something. The other thing all we also do in terms of our engagement with businesses, we try and address with those businesses their payment practices when we speak to them as part of our general business engagement. So, I think fair fair bit of stuff in that, and uh, something we're we're keen to follow through on and make uh, our performance even better in this area, Simon.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. And of course we're keen to push the message around about the prompt payment code and engage businesses locally here in Northamptonshire to ensure that they're aware of it and they're committed to it as well to help try and stamp out some of these late payments and delay payments because Obviously it does, yeah. you know, impact on cash flow. Now moving on, and I'm going to mention the B word, Brexit. We're just coming up to the fourth anniversary of Brexit on the 31st of this month. Um, how's Brexit actually improved the country since we've actually exited the EU? Because some of the concern that we've heard locally has been around further trade of further field with shipping products halfway around the world is less sustainable than, you know, trading with neighbors such as France. So, um, what, what are your sort of thoughts around that, especially when we are just been talking just now about buying local?
9: Well, listen. Nobody's going to you not find me arguing that life has been made easier for everybody by Brexit through Brexit because it hasn't. Particularly SMEs, particularly in the food sector, are definitely seeing problems at the border. There's no doubt about it. The difficulty is that not all those things are within our gift, and we want to ease those frictions at the border, like we have in the Windsor Framework, for example, of Northern Ireland. But you know, it's the EU uh, have their uh, they have their position on this as well. So. That's not easy. Bigger companies are finding it easier because they're taking a the container load over. Generally, the frictions are getting a bit easier. Um, but it is it is tough. Having said that, um, a number of different statistics I'll give you. Um, we were, before, in 2021, we were the sixth uh, largest company by global trade country, by global global trade in the world. We're now fifth. So that's good news. Actually so global trade isn't suffering from the UK, it's just changing. Um so and the other thing to bear in mind is eighty percent of our exports are not with the EU. Because um we're very much a service led industry. So um sorry, eighty percent of our trade is not goods with the EU. So eighty percent of it is is either goods with the rest of the world or services to the EU and to the rest of the world, and none of those were covered by the EU agreement anyway. Services weren't within the EU agreement, the single market agreement. So many things haven't changed, as well as some things have changed. So the key thing is we take advantage of the opportunities we've got in the, in the future. And you say it's easier to trade with France than it is with, say, Vietnam, well, or Mexico. Well, it depends. You know, many of the of the uh, many of the people I speak to that shipping kick cake stuffs uh around the world and things that are trading very happily with the Middle East, with the USA, with Australia. If you're in the oil business, you might make valves for for oil production, gas and oil production. Well that's an international market. It's not restricted to the EU. Lots of opportunities around the world in terms of trade. So um so yes, we're keen to try and continue to make it easier to trade across borders with the eu but we're also striking deals around the world we've just done the australian new zealand agreement we've done the, well, the cptpp which is the trans-pacific partnership this is mexico It is is this is canada this is vietnam there's a huge number of countries in there. massive growth potential for the world economy there and some businesses lap that up and we want more businesses to do that so so yeah we're keen to we're keen to expand those opportunities
0: Brilliant. Well, Kevin, thank you ever so much for taking the time and giving us your time today to come and join us on the podcast and, and talk to us all about, uh, you know, what we've been talking about. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're just, uh, I suppose if we can just finish up on, on sort of one final question we've got for you. And that is what can we expect to see this year in 2024 when it comes to, um, you know, growth? Cause that's really what excites us here.
9: Yeah. Okay. Well. I think was, I actually think, I mean, remember last year, you catch your mind back 12 months ago, uh, inflation was running at 11.1%. The economy was forecast to go into recession in 2023. Um, so it was very much gloom and doom. Energy prices were way high. Look what actually happened. So inflation is now 3.9%. The economy actually grew last year. It didn't go into recession. It was, it was forecast to, to shrink by, by about 1.4%. It actually grew by about half a percent. Because this year, I think uh, we'll see a better year than a lot of people are anticipating. You've seen for the first time in quite a while, real wages increasing. So people's wage increases are outstripping inflation already. You're seeing households and businesses, not universally, but to a good extent, holding more cash than normal. The banks have money to lend, so there is we get every reason to think um, there might be a a I say a better. Economic year this year than, than many have forecasted. So I think be positive. I think, um, lots of reasons for that. And, um, as I said to, you know, when our business, we had a state agency business time, as you know, and we had 200 branches around the country and we, and a lot of those are franchise branches. And I used to say to all those branches, the, those owners of those branches, you know, focus, don't worry about the market. Worry about your marketplace. Your market—that's the most important thing. So, whatever marketplace you're in, my advice to any business is to increase your market share in your marketplace. That's the focus you should have. Worrying too much about the macro economy—even now, we, you know—you'll see the results. Look at the look at the retailers. You could have go through a host of retailers. You, you saw, um, uh, you know, you saw Wilko's go bust this year. You could say, Oh my God, the the market's terrible. we well, you've also seen fantastic results from B&M mm. and Poundland. You see good results from next great results from M&S. so you are seeing, that you know whatever the market is like whatever the uh, the market the market itself the economy' if you like the market you know you can always do you can do better in, in your particular marketplace and that to me was all or is always the focus you should have as a business person focusing in your marketplace drive your market share that'll drive your profitability that's the, that's the big focus.
0: Well, okay, Kevin, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate your time and uh, look okay. forward to seeing how this year pans out.
9: Me too. Big election coming up, so that'll be, uh, that'll be an interesting one. But we're, we're going to give it everything we've got. We uh, we think we've, um, you know, we, uh, we think we're the right people to run the country. And uh, I think Rich is a great Prime Minister and uh, he's done an awful lot of good stuff over the last few years, Chancellor and Prime Minister. We need to let him go on and finish the job, not go back to square one. So that's what I'll be fighting uh, I'll be facing non-offerants to make sure that happens this year.
4: Your Business Expo 2024 Powered by Business Times Newspaper When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire they turn to Business Times Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories respected, trusted and always relevant Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk Business Times Positive about business
5: in North Ants
6: online and 106.9 we're connecting Northampton and live
0: money 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 by abba and very appropriate for my next guest we heard just before that song from the business minister himself kevin Hollinrake, talking about late payments and what the government are doing to clamp down on late payments and i'm delighted to say that i'm joined now by the small business commissioner liz barkley so uh, liz welcome
6: um thank you very much indeed for having me simon
0: yeah, no, it's, it's great to be able to have these conversations to help sort of share information about some of the good work that's going on in the UK to try and combat some certain areas of, uh, you yeah, know, late payments and everything. So, um, I suppose a good, a, you know, a real good place to start would be sort of the role of the office of the Small Business Commissioner and, and what your role is within it. Uh,
6: well, I am the Small Business Commissioner for the UK. So I, it's my responsibility to run that office and make sure that we do what we can to try to improve payment practices across the UK. And when I say that, I don't just mean improve late payments. I mean improve slow ones as well, because a lot of the complaints that we get and inquiries we get are from people who who have overdue invoices, but also have been offered long extended payment terms. So, for instance, just this morning, someone said, I used to be paid in 30 days. Now my customer is saying I'll be paid in 45 days. Uh, yesterday it was I used to be paid in 30 days. Now my customer is saying I'll be paid in 60 days. And we're even saying 90, 120 days. Now those are slow payments to me. And I would like that to change too so that small businesses get the money in their bank when they think they're going to get it in the bank uh, on the agreed date, but also... They don't have to wait, you know, three, four months in order to get paid, and it gets paid quickly.
0: Mm, I'd imagine, you know, with the aftermath of the pandemic and everything, it's, it's you know, people have sort of obviously got extra finance to pay out for with bounce-back loans and things like that. Is it actually getting worse at the moment, or is it actually sort of improving, do you think?
6: During the pandemic, it seemed to improve, and I think that was partly because big biz- bigger businesses, uh, customers, realised that if they didn't pay their smaller suppliers quicker, then the chances were they were going to go out of business and there wouldn't be a supplier when they next needed them, Um, it takes time and money to find a new supplier uh, as reliable as your previous ones. Um, But also, I think they thought that if they didn't pay quickly, perhaps their competitors would, and then the suppliers would leave them and go to their competitors, giving them a competitive advantage. Um, so it improved during the pandemic. We saw some firms go from paying in 30 days to paying in 14 days and even seven days. And I think that over the years, uh, things have certainly improved over the past 12 years, say. On the average, uh, late payments, um, sorry, on average, payment days have dropped from about 82 days to 35, 36 days. But it's still not perfect. Uh, And we still get a lot of complaints from people who are in dispute about their payments. And, of course, we run a dispute resolution service to help people who are in payment dispute. Um, Is it getting worse? I think recently we have seen more inquiries from people who are saying we're being asked to wait longer. And that is a worrying sign to us that perhaps the bigger customers in financial difficulty and trying to hang on to cash um, as you say, businesses do have competing needs for their cash. But at the same time, if you're contracting with someone to supply you, you shouldn't be bankrolling them in order to protect your own business or using them to bankroll you rather to uh, protect your business.
0: Yeah, it, it can be a challenge as we know cash flow and, uh, obviously a lot of businesses rely on regular payments and, uh, I, I suppose, um, you know, the aftermath of the pandemic will have, you know, helped to contribute to some of the challenges people are facing with these additional costs. But also, I suppose we've, we've had a lot of change over the last number of years. haven't we with business adjusting to some of the bigger national things that we know about with obviously Brexit changing things in the business world. And of course, then, as I said, the, the aftermath of the, uh, the pandemic, but, um, as, I, I, yeah, the next question, I suppose, um, is around what what is the um, the office of the small business commissioner, you know, doing to help sort of stamp, you know, stamp down on those late payments because of the the impact it can be huge on business, can it?
6: Well, to be fair, Simon, probably the most effective tool that I've got in the toolkit is communication, and so we're talking to the big businesses and um, talking to them about how it can help them improve their own bottom line if they are looking after the businesses in their supply chain. And that includes making sure that they get paid fairly and quickly. Um, We're talking to the small businesses to say, you know, we, um, you can help yourselves to a certain extent to get paid quicker by making sure there are no mistakes on your invoices, making sure you know exactly who to send the invoice to. Quite often, small businesses, Um, assume that the person who's given them the work will be the person who pays them. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think both sides need to know more about each other and understand each other's processes better. And we're also talking to the big tech companies saying, you know, you have improved things. Yes, we used to see late payments Uh, On average, it took 82 days to pay an invoice. Now it's taking about 36, and you have made a big difference, but there's probably more of a difference that you could make uh, if you were to think about uh, trying to help businesses to get their technology joined up so that as soon as an invoice uh, was issued, it was paid. Um, So communication is the main form, uh, the main tool that I have got in my toolbox, I can go out and um, talk to businesses if they will allow me a platform. I can go out and talk at conferences, etc. Um, and we can, as I say, we've got a dispute resolution service, so we can help resolve disputes. But I would actually like to avoid them in the first place. Uh, and perhaps the other thing that is really important is the prompt payment code, Um We don't own the code, the Department for Business and Trade does, but we administer that on their behalf. And we would like to see as many firms as possible signed up to that code, committing to paying their smaller suppliers and the smallest of their small suppliers as quickly as possible and as quickly as 30 days in the case of the small businesses.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, prompt payment code. I mean, obviously within what we do here in North we, we have signed it. Even as a small business ourselves, we've signed it to show our intentions that, you know, we don't want credit with, with suppliers. We want to pay people on time. We want to pay them, yeah, make sure that they've, um, well, the, the way I look at it is one less email coming in chasing me for money means I can go and do other things. So, you know, for us, it's, 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 you know, sharing our intention, but also to help share the message of that prompt payment code. Um, so I'm glad we're talking about it here on the podcast as well, because, uh, obviously I think it's, it's key for businesses to, to make that intention. Um, and also show that they are paying people on time and, you know, to have that in, uh, our, our business is great, but also within our business community. We want to, we want to help, you know, you want to, we want to help local businesses try and you know not have these problems that uh, they face with cash flow so
6: um it's interesting that you mentioned the time that it takes uh you know to chase up payments small businesses do find it very difficult to do that chasing because they're really worried that if they chase money that's rightfully theirs they may not get the next piece of business because they may damage that working relationship and that's something Really difficult for a small business, um, and of course it eats into productivity and time that you could be using to do lots of other more important things in your business, including business planning. Um, but for a small business, it's hard to be signed up to the prompt payment code unless you know you are going to get paid in time to pay your suppliers in time. You know, so that's why we're constantly saying to the big, the big firms please please pay make sure that everyone in your supply chain is paying on time so that the small firms can pay their small suppliers on on time too so that everybody is protected along the supply chain
0: yeah that's great to hear because obviously it has a knock-on effect and of course the the smaller the business obviously the more of an impact it can make as well um when when it comes to cash flow um well it's harder to borrow
6: if you're a small business you're yeah oh, absolutely more, you're much less likely to have reserves sitting around uh you know for that rainy day when you need them and apart from everything else with inflation going up uh interest rates going up the cost of doing business going up there are fewer firms with those kind of reserves that they can uh can tide them through a rough patch um you know so you really need to know you need to have that certainty that the money that you're expecting to hit your bank account on the date that you have agreed is actually going to be there um small firms are not investing they're not retraining upskilling they're not investing in better equipment and actually if the small firms are investing then you as the customer are probably getting a better service and a better product
0: so who could actually sign prompt payment code is it is it open to any organization it's yes awful. okay it is
6: it's open to any organization um but as i say it's it can be difficult for small businesses lots of them say i'd really like to sign up to the prompt payment code i want to be able to guarantee that i'm going to pay my small suppliers within 30 days but because i don't know that i'm going to get paid in 30 days i'm not able to make that commitment And, uh, you know, that does make it difficult. So although anybody can sign up, we don't see everybody coming forward to make the commitment. Uh, And obviously, it's a voluntary code. But once you've signed up, it's no longer voluntary. Uh, And if you don't meet the criteria of the code, you could be removed from it. And nobody wants that to happen.
0: Mm. So if I was a business that, you know, struggling to pay suppliers myself when I've signed the code i mean obviously that kind of impact on our credibility as a business but also the, the suppliers cash flows as well but it would also impact on the the actual ppc that we've actually signed as in the prompt payment code as well
6: um it would but if you find yourself in that difficult position so let's say you've signed up you're absolutely committed to making those payments and you find that you can't please please come and talk to us Because obviously we will do what we can to help you to get through what is probably just a temporary patch Mm. um, until you can come out the other end. I don't want to be uh, withdrawing, you know, withdrawing, uh, have people withdrawing from the code if they uh, are probably going to be able to return and meet their commitments within a couple of months' time. Uh, But equally, I don't want to be throwing them off the code uh, because (laughs) I. I prefer people signed up to the code, committed to it, um, because I can, at least if I get a complaint, I can talk to them. I have leverage. They are, they are in the camp, so to speak. But if they're on the outside, it's much, much more difficult for us to sort out issues and complaints and disputes. So we'd much rather keep people on the code and help them to stay on the code if at all possible.
0: Mm, and what if we hadn't signed the front payment code, or businesses out there haven't signed the code, but they're still struggling? You can still help them. Is that right? Uh,
6: yes. If if, um, if you're in... the dispute resolution service is actually completely separate from the code in the first place, and so if you are in dispute with a bigger company about a payment issue, come and talk to us. If you're a small business with fewer than fifty employees, we'll be able to help you.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant to hear because, uh, as I say, it is the lifeblood of business, you know, cash flow at the end of the day, isn't it? And, uh, I mean, if I was owed money by a supplier, uh, sorry, by a customer and and they weren't paying, would I have to prove sort of the balance and number of invoices, et cetera? Do you go into that sort of level of detail?
6: Um, we would certainly need to go into that level of detail, probably, in order to be able to resolve the dispute. It's very hard without the detail in order to be able to, go to the customer and say, look, here's what the complainant is telling us and here's the proof. Um, We do sometimes find, though, that when we get a complaint, there has been a mistake on an invoice. It's the communication that's the problem rather than an actual dispute. Sometimes the bigger customer is fully intending to pay um, but hasn't let the smaller business know that there's been a mistake on the invoice. You know, so sometimes we can just simply get the two sides together, get them to talk to each other, and it's all resolved quite quickly. And then the payment is, uh, then we hear from the complainant that the payment has been made. Um, And that's a great result for us. Um, But sometimes payment disputes do drag on and we have to go into a lot of detail and do a lot of investigation to get to the bottom of it.
0: Yeah, and, and I suppose, um, you know, if I was a business owner sitting here today knowing that I was falling into difficulties because obviously customers weren't paying me or I couldn't attract the finance into the business, is there a way that I can sort of get proactive and maybe give yourselves the heads up as well in case you get an inquiry so you can actually say, well, actually, this person actually did ring me on this day to say they were having problems and now you've got somebody saying, well, well you know, I haven't been paid by them sort of thing. Do you actually receive calls like that as well?
6: And we do sometimes, yes, and the insight is always useful. Um, I mean, certainly uh, it it is becoming clear that when we are getting that kind of insight, we quite often find that the the bigger firm that's not paying um, is in some kind of financial difficulty itself and is holding back money in order to try to save its own business. Um, and using the smaller business as a bank to a certain extent Uh, and obviously we don't like that but we'd rather know what was happening out there Uh, so any of that kind of insight is valuable it may not be that we can intervene at that stage uh, but certainly uh, we would be looking to see first of all is it on the prompt payment code is it the signatory to the code Uh, do we need to talk to them to find out more um, do we need to be looking at um removing them from the code? Because this is a bigger issue than just that one complaint or that one inquiry or that one piece of insight. So yes, we are always we always welcome insight of that sort.
0: Yeah, great. And then around the um the actual you know, the office of small business oh, sorry, Liz, I'll start this bit again. I'll I'll t- cut this bit out, it's fine. My question went wrong. <laughs> One second. So the Office of the Small Business Commission, uh, commissioner, is an independent body set up in in 2016. Um, what sort of value of money have you managed to sort of collect since 2016 to where we are today? Is, is it yeah, hundred thousand, a few million, or what sort of figure? can so, we, um, talking We're about
6: talking here? about we're talking about almost nine million, I think, at this point in time. Um, and some people may feel that that's not an awful lot. Uh, we opened our doors in uh, December 2017. And, um, it, you know, there, we have had accusations <laughs> leveled at us that we should have collected more. But you've got to remember that most of the complaints come from very small businesses. And so we're collecting small amounts, um, in some cases, you know, as as little as maybe 30 quid even. Oh, really? Um, but a few hundred pounds makes a huge difference to a small business. Um, It can, you know, the one case that springs to mind is the business owner who came to us on a Friday afternoon and said, I can't feed my children over the weekend. Um, And she was owed £300. Now, when we phoned the bigger customer and said, you haven't paid this invoice, uh, we got through to the chief financial officer who said, but it's only £300. Mm. Uh, and we said, "Yes, but three hundred pounds to a small business like that is make or break and he said, "You know, I had absolutely no idea. He mm. said, I have approved invoices for thirty thousand pounds this afternoon. I will pay her invoice now from my own personal account, um, but sometimes it's just that lack of understanding between businesses as to how much of a difference a small amount can make, so we are we are helping people to get paid." relatively small amounts Mm. uh, in terms of the customer, but but crucial amounts in terms of the small businesses. Uh, And so, you know, they've added up to, I think, quite a phenomenal total over the years.
0: Yeah, I mean, nine million over a, a few years. Obviously, with a lot of transactions, if they are smaller amounts, it's, it's still making a difference to small businesses, which is the key a to
9: obviously
0: the service yes. and, uh, you know, well done to what you are doing because obviously, you know, payments we know, as we said earlier, can have a big impact on a small business owner, especially when you're now hearing stories like that, that, you know, we don't often appreciate other people's circumstances. So, you know, well done on what you're doing. Um, yeah, Thank it's you for to, that. To his, his... <laughs>
6: Thank you for that, but I would just say, you know, an awful lot of the small businesses coming to us are the micro businesses. Quite often, there's only the one person working in them, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean to say that that money isn't just as important to them as a huge invoice is to a bigger company. Um, and those small um, businesses, micro businesses, freelancers, for instance, people who are self-employed, really, really vital as suppliers into supply chains or direct suppliers. You know, this is the talent that's driving big business success mm-hmm. or medium-sized business success, and we really need to make sure it's well supported.
0: So how long does the actual process take? If, if somebody, you know, gets in contact today and, you know, God forbid you don't have a huge influx of inquiries, but what's the average sort of length of time for an inquiry to come into the office so then actually being looked at and actually technically being resolved?
6: You're asking me how long a piece of string is. Okay, it varies. <laughs> you do realise that um, we could get a call this afternoon that will be resolved with one phone call in five minutes, yep. or it could take hours to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on. Uh, you know why invoices have been stacked up for such a long time. Quite often, people don't come to us unless they're really, really uh, at the end of their tether, and so there may be invoices that have been outstanding. You know, one woman said the other day, I've been uh, trying to get these invoices paid for eight months. You know, so it can take quite a long time to just go through all the detail uh, and make sure you're well equipped in order to be able to have the conversation with the bigger customer. Um, So, you know, we can take anything from five minutes to several days to resolve something, but we will do our best to do it as quickly as possible and without damaging the business relationship if we possibly can and of course it's a free service
0: yeah i mean i was gonna add that it's a free service so uh you know people that are struggling to you obviously survive as a business or or do that, that cash injection and you know, it's been paid quite rightly for the service they've delivered then this is a service that they can they can take um uh, you know get in contact with you about so so how can people actually get in contact with yourselves what's the best way for people that are struggling with late payments to actually get involved and um you know raise the inquiry with yourselves
6: um best way really i suppose is to go into whatever search engine you use Uh, put in small business commissioner you'll find our website and then you can uh, say you can contact us through the website Um, you can phone us there is a phone number on there but if uh, if we're a bit short-staffed or if we're really busy you may have the frustration of uh, you know phoning and not getting through drop us an email we will get back to you as soon as we possibly can
0: And people can find out more information about the prompt payment code for the website as well, so they can actually find out how they can sign up as well.
6: Yeah, there's a section on the website about the prompt payment code. And, of course, if you have any questions, again, we're only too happy to talk you through it um, and make sure that you feel comfortable. We, You know, we have firms coming to us and saying, um, I'm not ready to join yet. Uh, but I think that I'm putting new processes in place. We're spending an awful lot of money on that. And we think that in the eight months' time, we'll be ready to sign up to the code. So what do we need to do? And um, we're perfectly happy to help talk people through that.
0: That's brilliant, Liz. Well, listen, thank you for, um, for your time. Uh, really good to understand more about the work you are doing. As I said, keep up the good work, because the, the sooner we can clamp down on some of these late payments, the better. Uh, so, yeah, well done
6: it's a long-standing problem <laughs> uh, we're working really hard on it but in the meantime uh, we're launching our what we're calling our tool up campaign uh, in a week's time and that is a campaign that has got some tools on our website to help you to try to get your invoices paid more quickly
0: yeah that's brilliant brilliant thank you and um yeah as I say, keep up the good work, and um, let's hopefully we'll see an end to, uh, end to this at uh, some point in the future. But um, yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be easy. Um, continually keep chasing payments, but um, you, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? So
6: not easy, but that doesn't mean to say we're going to give up.
0: What can I say? What a fantastic way to end the show with Kiss and Crazy, Crazy, Crazy Nights. It's certainly been an energetic show this evening with four great guests joining me here on Open for Business with Sonny Singh from the Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce. We heard from Dean Jones from the Northamptonshire Community Foundation. We had a fantastic interview with the small business minister, Kevin Hollinrake talking about business at a national level and his visit to Northamptonshire last March when he came to Kettering Park Hotel and uh, to Liz Barclay as well for uh, her thoughts around uh, late payments and what the government are doing around uh, the prompt payment code and stamping out late payments which uh, we know are impacting it on small businesses. So thank you to all my guests. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to everyone that continues to to tune in to listen to this show. I'll be back on Tuesday, the 27th of February. If you want to listen again to anything you've heard on the show this evening, to any of the guests, you can go to podfollow.com slash open4business, and that's the number four. So it's open at number four and then business to uh, listen all again to the interviews and uh, I'll see you soon back on the 27th of February thanks for listening
6: Northampton zone 106.9 n
3: live From the Sky News Centre at 9. Rishi Sunak's to deal with the DUP will end its two-year boycott of power-sharing at Stormont without having to stick closer to decisions made in Brussels. The Democratic Unionists approved an agreement that they say means no checks or customs paperwork on goods coming from Great Britain. Northern Ireland Secretary Chris Eaton-Harris says full details will come tomorrow. We can truly
5: demonstrate that the people
3: of Northern Ireland do have a democratic check over the
4: rules that affect them and that we can keep the institutions up and going
9: in perpetuity. So I really hope this deal does what it should be doing.
3: An assistant commissioner of the Metropolitan Police says officers' actions during an incident, which a man was shot dead in London earlier, prevented further loss of life. They were called to reports of a man threatening to harm people in a building in Surrey Quays. A decision to accept a manslaughter plea over the fatal stabbing of three people in Nottingham last June is to be independently reviewed. Valdo Kanokane, who has schizophrenia, was handed a hospital order. The Chancellor has been advised by experts at the International Monetary Fund not to cut taxes anytime soon, but Jeremy Hunt says it's too early to know if we can afford to. Sport, Sheffield United are trying to move off the bottom of the Premier League by beating fellow strugglers Crystal Palace, Christy Wilmots at Selhurst Park. Breton Diaz put Sheffield United in front after just 20 seconds for his second goal in his first
6: two Premier League games. Palace then equalised through Ezzy's close-range strike, but McAtee's deflected effort soon put United back in front. Palace responded once more, though, through Ezzy's
3: stunning strike from the edge of the box. At halftime, it's Crystal Palace 2, Sheffield United 2. And Arsenal are 1-0 up at Nottingham Forest, while Newcastle are 2-0 up at Aston Villa. Luton lead Brighton 3-0. Livingston and Ross County is one all in the Scottish Premiership. That's the latest. I'm Fader Silbere.